Let's pray together as we get started. Father, what a privilege, what an honor to be together, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends and family, coming together. Yes, we're celebrating good times. We're excited about what you're up to. We celebrate the everyday grace miracles that we see in our daily rhythms. We celebrate them. We celebrate Jesus today. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is being preached throughout our area right now in pulpits all over our community and throughout. And so, Lord, we celebrate that. Lord, teach us. We put ourselves in the place right now where we want to lay deeper, solid foundations. And so this summer, as we continue in this series, this we believe, teach us, Holy Spirit, be the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. Open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that we may know the truth that makes us free. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Well, welcome to our summer series. We're going to be spending this summer laying deeper foundations. And, And how many of you have ever been to the gym? Come on, talk to me. Been to the gym, and if you ever were trained by a trainer, they probably said something to you like, all right, we got to work on your core. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, here's what the core is. It's this thing that overhangs my belt just a little bit. That's the core. I saw this awesome thing on, 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 uh, on social media, and it was this, uh, you can have instant abs by taking this piece of wire and pressing it onto your stomach, and it leaves the impression that you have a six-pack. So I'm thinking, man, I should have got one of those for today. But we're talking about strengthening our core in a very real sense, spiritually, because here's the bottom line. We know this for a fact. The winds of adversity will blow. Can I get an amen? Amen. Stuff happens. Life happens. And the winds blow. But here's the thing. We may be bent, but we don't have to be broken. Can I get an amen? And so that's what we're talking about, this whole series of This We Believe. So I want to kind of get you, um, here we go, laying strong foundations. Now here's the thing, you, how many of you have seen a house that had a bad foundation? Anybody ever seen? How many of you have a house that has a bad foundation? Hopefully not. Well here's just an idea, it's a bad picture, but you get the idea of a house that has a bad foundation where the structure cannot be supported. And it looks good when it's first built, but because the foundation is bad, over time, cracks begin to appear. Cracks begin to appear, things begin to fall off, plaster, brick, stone, it all begins to go to pot because of a bad foundation. How about this house, for example? I hope this isn't one of our houses in our area, but that is a house that has a foundation that's gone. In fact, it's so gone that it's absolutely decimated the home. Now, I was talking a minute ago about developing a strong core. So here's an, here's an idea of what not to do in the gym. So this lady has kind of missed the point. In her mind, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? But she's missing the whole point of going to a gym and building that core. Here's another guy maybe missed the point as well. Me, going to get to the gym early today, set myself on a regimen, get gains, also me. So he's asleep on the machinery. So that is not how you build a core. So our goal here is not to build a core by being lazy. It's to get in the Word, get in the Scripture and lay strong foundations. Because here's the thing, if we're asking God to bend us, 
If we're asking God to use us to bring revival and host the presence of God, we're going to need strong foundations to do so. Amen? So let me share this passage with you. So we're going to talk about this very narrow, simple topic. The topic today is God. Yeah, that's the topic. Max wrote me yesterday, said, Jimmy, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you have the fire of God as you preach and lifting you up. And I said, Max, thank you for the narrow, focused, and specific topic (laughs) He wrote back, LOL. So we're talking about God today. We're going to be talking about this idea that God is, that God is good, and that God is a good father. God is, God is good, and God is a good father. And that's not just a song by Chris Tomlin. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, 8. We're going to use the New King James Version Bible unless otherwise highlighted. Beloved. Let us love one another. Now, I did the underline there because there's some things I want to emphasize in this. Let us love one another. We could probably stop right there. Amen? If someone comes to you and they engage you and it doesn't feel like love and it's not love, then there's a problem. Look at this. Let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you really are born of God and you really know God, the word know, nosco means to know by experience, means to know in your knower, so to speak. If you know Him, then love is going to be something that flows out of you naturally. Now, I use the terminology, we need to leak life. And I'm sitting in a room full of life leakers right here. That as you're filled, you leak out the life that's in you. So we want to be those who leak out love. Why? Because God is love. And if God's love, then maybe as I look more and more like Him and I'm conformed into His image, I begin to not just do loving things, but I actually begin to become love myself. Amen? So we want to become love so that everywhere we go, we're oozing and leaking life, leaking love, leaking hope, leaking grace everywhere we go. So everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love God does not know God for, here it is, God is what? Say it with me. Love. Love. God is love. So as we cover, by the way, the first sermon I ever preached It was at Bacon Heights Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. It was on a Wednesday night. Everybody was eating. So I was like the warm-up act. You know what I mean? It was like I was like the band playing while everybody's doing something else. That's nothing more disheartening to a musician than that. And so I was the background entertainment. So they were letting us interns preach our first sermons. And so I preached a sermon, and basically the topic was God, the world, and other things. So you're getting a reprise of my very first sermon ever today, God, the world, and other things. So here we are, laying strong foundations. Number one, God is. Number two, God is good. Some of you struggle with this idea that God is good. And then number three, God is a good father. And some of you struggle with that as well. And we'll talk about why in a minute. But I want you to notice something. Notice I added on there, God is, this is a core belief. We're going back to the core. In fact, if you need some help with your own core, I brought something that might be of interest to you. Has anyone ever seen the fit board? Have any of you bought a fit board? Oh, nobody's going to admit it. Come on, come on, Gail. I was looking for a pink one, but I could only find lime green. 
But this is called the Fitboard, and I actually saw the episode of Shark Tank where this was debuted. And so they brought this piece of plastic that looks a little bit like a skateboard, and they stood on it, and I'll show you how this works. Miss Charlene, would you come up? No, I'm just kidding, Miss Charlene. You're safe. So here's the deal. You, you take it, and you stand on it, and then you, you begin to balance. And what it does, it's like standing on one of those half balls. I don't know what they call those. But it's what? Oh, one of those. Yeah, whatever you said. What she said. And so what it does, it strengthens your core. So they, the little booklet that comes with it has all these directions, like you can do the spinning thing. Now, I tried this on my wood floor at home. Don't do that. If you get one, don't ever do that ever on a wood floor because uh, it's very slick on the bottom. And just let's just say I'm okay. So I, I made it all right. Uh, Annette got a good laugh out of it, though. So I was like, hey, this thing's awesome because on a wood floor, it's like, woo. I mean, I could spin around and everything until I crash. So anyway, so what this is about, it's about strengthening your core by creating this, this need or, or making it, forcing you to, to keep your balance. So, so what I'm doing right now, believe it or not, I'm getting a massive workout and my, my waistline's going to go down by inches. No, I'm just kidding. You know how these things promise. But over time, by working this board, the core gets strengthened. And here's the thing. I've got somewhat of an injured back. Football, racing motocross, the list goes on and on. Just not lifting correctly, you know, growing up, thinking I can do this. So over time, a lot of us have back issues. And that L4 back there has been blown out more than once. And so what I learned the hard way is that I actually have to um, work my core in order to support my back. Let that be a tip to you. That won't cost you a dime. So those of you who have back issues, if you'll work and build your core, it'll actually create uh, support for your back. And for me, it make, whenever my back starts to hurt, I know I need to get back in and work my abs and work my core. So what we're talking about this summer is core work spiritually. And so every week we're going to bring this out to remind us that we've got to have a strong foundation and we need to build a strong core. So I'm going to leave this right here so you can see it. Uh, and if you want to try it afterwards, feel free. Just not on the concrete floor, okay? So there it is, core beliefs. God is good. That's a core value. And I'll talk a little bit about that. And then God is a good father. That is our core identity. That he's our father and we're sons and daughters. So I'm going to share a couple things with you on this. First of all, let's talk about God is. Now here's the thing. I had a conversation just a few weeks ago with a, fr with a friend of mine who's an atheist. He's an avowed atheist. He's like, I don't believe in God. He made that very clear to all my family that was visiting for, for faith graduation. I've told some of you about this and I wrote about it yesterday and I remember talking and sitting just in my living room, and I never once brought up God. But He did. Over and over and over. And I just thought it was really interesting that He just kept bringing up God. Now, here's, here's what one of the things I live by is that we leak out what we're full of. So, if we're leaking out, that means it should compel others to ask questions, right? So, I didn't say a word, but He kept bringing it up, and so... As he did, I just was kind of just doing what a witness does. A witness simply answers the questions. That's what you do. If you're on a witness stand, you don't elaborate unless they allow you to. But typically, it's like you answer the questions and that's all you do. So I was answering the questions 
over and over. He kept asking questions. He wanted to talk about eschatology, the end times. That fascinates everybody. How's it all going to end? He also wanted to talk about the validity of the Bible. Is the Bible the Word of God? And I finally just stopped him and said, Ron, uh, we can talk about this stuff all day long. It's like a tennis match. We can go back and forth over the net. But here's what I, I have one question for you. I said, at the end of the day, it all boils down to this. What do you do with Jesus? Period. We can talk about all these peripherals, but at the end of the day, let's go to what matters. What do you do with Jesus Christ? It got quiet. <laughs> Conversation segued. We got bent. We bent into a different way. But here's the deal. I wanted him to know. And then I said one last thing. This is where the conversation really got quiet. I said, well, let me say something. I said, here's the deal. I said, Ron, if I get to the end of my life and I find out that God's not real, I will have lived a great life. I will have woken up every day with purpose and mission. My family is blessed because of what we've done and the values we've owned and the core values that we live by. So if I get to the end of it, and it's not true, I will have lived a great life, a meaningful life. I said, but you, Ron, if you get to the end of your life and you find out it's true and that God is, I said, you will have missed everything and you will have lost everything. And then I promptly led him to Jesus. No, I didn't. I did not close the deal. Because it was apparent to me that the Spirit of God brought me along as one seed sower of many in Ron's life. And it wasn't my job to swing the sickle and get the harvest. I'm not trying to get notches on my Bible to say this is how many people I've led to Jesus. My heart is to bend people towards Him. And if I'm the one, great. But if I'm not, there'll be somebody else who is. And I believe with my heart that Ron one day is going to stand Maybe right here with us in worship. So I believe that for him. I'm praying that for him. So here's the deal. Basically, it came down to this. I had to, at some point in my life, own this truth. God is. God is real. God is who He says He is. The Bible is what it says it is. And it is God's Word unequivocally, and that Jesus Christ was not just some historical fictitious character or maybe some aberration of, or an amalgamation of several characters that they put together and called a Messiah. He was actually a historical person. Josephus, other non-religious writers validate the life and ministry and, and the presence of Jesus Christ being a real person. So that's not in question. And so at some point, here's what I've learned the hard way. I cannot argue somebody into believing in God. I love apologetics. I'm fascinated with it. I always want to study. I always want to learn and grow and be able to give a defense for the hope that lives in me. But I'm not going to sit and debate and argue with anybody. That is not the call. It's not my hard wiring. I am not called to be that guy. And here's what I've learned, that there's only one person who can convince another person that God is real, that He is, and it's God Himself. It's the work of the Spirit inside of the heart of a person that transforms their heart. I cannot talk you into it. I did learn this the hard way 
early on in ministry, that if I can convince you and I can talk you into making a decision and getting baptized and doing all, going through all the motions of that, if I can talk you into it and it's about me and my clever words and my ability to communicate, then there is a devil in hell and there are people who can talk you right out of it. If you can be convinced through an argument, you can be unconvinced through an argument. And so I begin to realize it is only by the Spirit of God working in a person's heart that transforms them. The heart of man, it's a mystery, can only be transformed by the love and mercy of God. And it's an act of God and a work of God. And so all I can do is present and re-present Jesus and then ask the Holy Spirit to touch that and do what He will. And at that point, I let it go. Now, I'll walk with somebody as long as we walk together. And I'll be there when it's time. But I cannot convince them to be born again. It's a born of the Spirit. God is. Listen to this Scripture. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Notice Him is capitalized, God. For he who comes to God must believe that... Say it with me. He is. He is. That's it. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. When I was in the fifth grade, John Mitchell was a classmate of mine. Something stirred in my heart for the things of God. I can't explain it. It had to be my praying grandmothers. One on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. So it was granny and nanny. Those were my grandmothers. And I believe they were praying for me. And in fact, my, grand, my granny and I had conversations about that later in life before she passed. But I knew somebody was praying for me because something was stirring in me that I had this interest in God. In fact, it became so strong and compelling in me. It was like in my know or my chest. It was like I needed to know about Jesus. And so I went to the only person in my school that I knew might know about Jesus, or maybe he knows somebody who does. His name was John Mitchell. Fifth grade, Roscoe Wilson Elementary in Lubbock, Texas. I go to John because I know that his dad is a Churches of Christ minister. I didn't know a difference between Baptist, Church of Christ, or anything, Lutheran, anything. It's just, I wanted to know about God, and I wanted to know about this Jesus. Now, we didn't go to church. We weren't a church-going family. I'd been taken to a vacation Bible school or two. And so I had some exposure, and that was enough to have the seed planted in my heart. So I go up to John in school. I go, John, hey, your, dad, your dad's like a preacher, right? And he goes, yeah, he is. I said, I said can, can you tell me about God? And I mean, this is a fifth grade kid, right? I mean, that was pretty deep in the field. I'm like, tell me about God. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you need to talk to my dad. So he did this. He said, I'll have you over this weekend on Saturday night. Come spend the night at my house. And then you can go to church with us on Sunday morning and learn about God. I said, well, can I talk to your dad before we go to church? I mean, I'm, I'm, there's something burning in me. There was a compulsion, a drawing. Scripture says that no man can come to the Father unless he is first drawn by the Father. So God was drawing me in the fifth grade. So I I talked to my parents. They said, yeah, go spend the night with John. I go to John's house. I spend the entire Saturday afternoon, evening, dodging his big bully brother. I kid you not, that guy wanted to torment us, chase us, beat us up. It was like all I wanted was to talk to somebody about God. 
And I ended up running for my life the whole weekend. Now, I don't think we're going to stand before the throne someday and I go, you know what, John's big brother? You can't, no, it's not that. He was just being a typical big brother. He was being like I was to my brother and his friends. So it it was was all innocent in that sense. And I never got to talk to his dad. I wanted to. I was going after God. But I was blocked. I was hindered. By the way, anytime there's movement, there will be resistance. Do you know that? Do you know that in your own life? That as you move towards God, there will always be resistance. It's the same way in the natural. The faster you drive in a car, the more resistance there is. It's the same way in the kingdom as well. Anytime you make a move, there will be resistance. Don't be surprised when there is. If we're shocked and surprised, we don't get it. We're not seeing what God's teaching us in the natural about the supernatural. So you may be experiencing some resistance right now if you're moving towards Him. That's to be expected. So I received resistance. So we went to church. It meant nothing to me. I stepped into a foreign world, and I got nothing out of it. So that was my one time to really go after God as a kid because I wanted to know, is God real? Why, is this, why am I compelled? The God is. Here's another one. God is good. Now here's a big one. first one was a core belief. This is a core value. You know what a core value is? It's something that's inside of you that no one can ever talk you out of. You'll die on that hill, so to speak. In fact, if it's a core value, no one or no thing will ever talk you out of it. You don't just just take and, and develop a core value. It's already there. I made up my mind as a young follower of Jesus that no matter what life brings, that God is good. Period. And I realized, I was really curious as a new young Christian, 18 years of age, I remember talking and going to the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Anybody remember those? It was a handful of people talking about everybody that was sick in the church. And I was just there as a young man saying, somebody teach me. Somebody disciple me. I'm hungry for God. And all I got was prayer request after prayer request. Now, this is a bad thing. It's just it wasn't a discipleship thing that I was hungry for. And so I went there, but here's what I noticed, is that most of the people that were there doing these prayer requests, A, they probably didn't believe it was going to happen, that God would actually heal or God would actually move. And B, I don't think they believed that God was good. And it was something that I picked up on early. And I remember making up my mind, it was a decision where I said, I don't understand why when something goes south, everybody blames God. Why when something happens, it's it's just this default to immediately blame God for this situation. Well, how could you let that happen? If you're such a good God, why did this happen? Have you read the Bible? (laughs) We're reading it right now. I, I am immersed in reading through the Bible this year. I made a commitment. I'm like, what was I thinking? But I made a commitment, and so I'm reading through the Bible right now. Annette and I are together, and I'm telling you, story after story, account after account where it looked like it was over, done with, and God suddenly shows up. Suddenly writes what's wrong. But it doesn't mean there wasn't suffering and pain and loss and grief and brokenness and death. So I had this mentality as a young believer sitting in those meetings, why is it that everybody here who says they love God, seem to be mad at God because they're blaming Him all the time. 
And so I adopted this core value just rose up in me that said, no matter what happens in life, God is good. And all the time, all the time, God's good and God is good all the time. And that became for me not just a belief, but a value, a core value. So anytime something happens, the wheels fall off of your life, my life, anybody's life, my default is not to say, well, how could God let that happen? Let me tell you something. The wheels have fallen off my life more than once. So what about you? What is your core value? Mine is that God's good. Here's some scriptures that prove that. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. By the way, if you define that Hebrew word, it means exactly what it means. Forever. Forever. His mercy is forever, everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust in Him. I'm sure you read that devotionally recently in the book of Nahum, right? The Lord is good. Here's another one. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is out of the New Testament, the fruit of the Spirit, the product, the produce, the proof of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I underlined it, goodness, His goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. God is good all the time. And all the time, help me, God is good. Let's do that again. God is good. And all the time. Oh, I felt that just a little bit. I I felt something there. A little shift, right? Let's do it one more time. God is good. And all the time. All right, you're getting that. That's good. That's good. I may spring that on you again, so just be ready. There will be a test. All right, here it is. The last thing is that God's a good father. We sang about it. By the way, it's not just a catchy song from Chris Tomlin. That song was actually written in a spontaneous moment by a group called House Fires. And it's actually this organic worship group that gets together in either a studio or a living room slash studio. And they get before the Lord and they just listen and they play. They're artists and musicians and they play and sing. And this song was birthed out of this group called House Fires. So it wasn't just some catchy song that got caught up by in Caleb. It's actually a song that was birthed out of truth. And I love the truth of that song. Because it can sound very self-serving, you know, it's who I am, it's who I am. But think about this. The bottom line is this, that to understand that God is a good father, it's our core identity. He is our father and he's good. He is, he is good, and he is our father. Let me tell you, when you get that solidified in your heart and your life, let me tell you, there's no stopping you. You may experience resistance as a kingdom person who's moving the ball down the field, but you won't be stopped. You will be resisted, but you will not be stopped when you understand this truth that He is a good Father. And because He's a good Father, I get to be a son. Some of you get to be a daughter. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You know what that makes you and me? Royalty. I'm sitting among giants. I'm sitting among royalty today. Let me tell you, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to call you who you are. You are kings and queens. You are princesses and princes. You are nobles and noblemen. You are leaders, governors. 
That is who you are in Christ because you are a son of the Most High God. Listen to what the Scripture says. Romans 8, 15. I love this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, I get this adoption piece. We adopted faith 17 and a half years ago from birth. I was there. This may sound gross to some, but if you're a parent, you get it. I got to cut the cord, right? I was there. If the doctor would have let me, I would have fielded her. I don't know what you call that. Catch? I don't know. What do you call that? I don't know what you call that. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I was a shortstop in baseball, so I'm like, I'm fielding. Here we go. I get in position. You know? So I'm like ready. And the, and the doctor who knew me, he was a friend of mine. He was actually the brother of one of my pastors, Dr. Hogue. And he said, get out of the way. I said, Doc, I got this. I said, Ken, he goes, no, get out of the way. I mean, I was like so excited, I almost knocked him down because it was such an amazing thing. Let me tell you, I understand the spirit of adoption. Right now, my daughter, I might get teary here to say, my daughter right now is in Brazil loving Jesus and loving Jesus' people with her mom, Annette. They're there serving God, making a difference. Man, the spirit of adoption is, is massive. This is a picture. She, I'm glad she's not in here. Um, I might get in trouble for this. This was like her first day of school in elementary, right? She was sporting some serious gear there. She was looking cool. And then this is a picture. This is one of my favorite pictures. This is when we baptized her at the age of eight or nine. And that's at Abilene Christian University. There's an outdoor baptistry there that's absolutely beautiful called Jacob's Well, if you've ever been there. It's amazing. And so mom and I got to baptize her together there at Jacob's Well. And then this is her, one of her senior pictures that I just took recently. And this is her. And this is, this is that little baby that we were able to adopt. And I'm telling you, I understand the spirit of adoption. I get it. I'm going to be taking her to Howard Payne University in mid-August. And I can tell you, it's going to be ugly for me. I've been pretty bold and brave about it so far because it's not real. But when we load up and we take her stuff and we drop her off, I'm just not responsible for how I'm going to be for a little bit because I know it's going to be ugly because her and I, we're, we're this because I understand the spirit of adoption. Look at this. God has adopted us into His family. God understands the spirit of adoption. The spirit bears witness or the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God you cannot tell my daughter faith that I'm not her daddy and you don't dare tell me that she's not my daughter unless you want to fight I'm telling you the spirit itself bears witness that we are children of God now listen to this and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him we already talked about that it happens that we may also be glorified together. Now look at this scripture. Curious. This is how much God loves us. He, Jesus has a way of calling us evil fathers. But he's making a point here. So don't panic on that. He's talking about prayer. And the goodness of God as a father. And he says this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more. I love those three words. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. 
We make this so complicated when really it's very simple. Have you asked? You want more of Him? You want the Spirit of God in your life? Have you stopped to simply ask based on the truth that He's a good Father? That He is, that He's good, and He's a good Father. Simply ask. It's not that deep. Look at this. Here it is. We go back to where we started. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So here we are. We're laying the first set of foundations and building our core for what's to come. So here's what the, the move is on this. What, what do we do then? We've just heard this. That God is. That God is good and that He's a good Father. What, what do we do with that? Let me tell you what you do with it. First of all, you receive it. And then you begin to speak it over your own life. When was the last time you just declared, Father, you're so good. Even if the wheels are falling off of your life. In fact, that's the best time to declare it. To go countercultural to what the enemy wants to do in your life. Because resistance desires to shut you down. And you, in the face of reason, say, God, you're good. No matter what my circumstances are, you're good. So you receive it as truth. You speak it as truth and declare it. And here's what happens. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing. The third thing that happens is you leak it. Receive it. Speak it. And then as we go out to restaurants today, as we go out to be with family, as we go out to engage one another, we leak the life that we are full of. We leak the truth that we are full of. We leak this truth that God is good all the time. And all the time, help me, God is good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're good. You're my Abba. You're my Papa. You're my daddy. You are my heavenly father. And Lord, I mean no disrespect. These are terms of endearment because of your love for me, because of the spirit of adoption on my life. Thank you for revealing to us that you are. You are the great I am. Thank you for revealing to us that you're good. No matter what is going on, you're good. It's your nature. It's your character. You can't be anything but good. And thank you that you're a good father. Father, as we leave this place today, may we literally leak out the life, the joy, the goodness, the spirit of adoption that we walk in. May we leak life as we go. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Come back next week. We'll do another installment and we'll do some more working out. Love you. Have a great week. Go leak life.